the all-knowing, omniscient God. The guillemot is a small Arctic seabird that lives way up in the northern coastal regions on rocky cliffs. And these birds flock together by the thousands. I've seen pictures of them. And they're in comparatively small areas on these cliffs. And because of the crowded conditions, hundreds of females lay their pear-shaped eggs side by side on a narrow ledge, all in a long row. And they all look alike. And yet it's incredible that the mother bird can identify those that belong to her. Studies show that she knows her own egg so well that when even one is moved, she finds it and returns it to its original location. Well, God knows us even better. And that miraculous ability that a bird has is simply a reflection on the all-powerful, omniscient ability of our God. Many people, and this has been throughout history, philosophers and all types of scientists and, and other thinkers have wanted to limit God's knowledge by their own. But when we have amassed the total of all human understanding, it's like taking a handful of water from the limitless ocean of God's omniscience and wisdom. <laughs> we haven't even begun. Turn with me to the passage that was mentioned a little earlier, Psalm 147, as we look in another one of the attributes of our God, looking at His very essence, who He is as a person in the sense of His uh, aspects uh, that are uh, the characteristics of deity. We read in Psalm 147, uh, verse 5, Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Our God knows everything. So let's look first of all at the scope of His omniscience, His ability to know everything, the scope of His omniscience. I'm going to do a little bit of those definitions again, and so bear with me here, but I think this is helpful because we want you to have an accurate biblical understanding of these important attributes of God. Thiessen, a wonderful uh, writer of doctrine, um, and I guess I have a little bit of appreciation of him. She was my mother, uh, he was my mother's teacher when she was out on the West Coast and at Biola after she had graduated from Wheaton. And so she knew doctrine. I, I tell you what, she kept all of us, uh, of her preacher sons, um, right there uh, to make sure. And uh, Thiessen did a good job teaching her. He says, we mean that he, God, knows himself in all other things, whether they be actual or merely possible, whether they be past, present, or future, and that he knows them perfectly and from all eternity. By this time, your mind should have probably exploded, okay? He knows things immediately, simultaneously, exhaustively, and truly. He also knows the best ways to attain his desired ends. That's a good definition. That covers every aspect. A.W. Tozer, in his beloved book, The Knowledge of the Most Holy, says this in a different way, and I would like to read this also here for you. 
God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter in all matters, all mind and every being, all creaturehood in all creatures, every, every plurality in all pluralities, all law in every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dimension, dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly, He knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor nor except when drawing men out for their own good, does he seek information or ask questions. That's not like us. Have you noticed that? These two definitions, uh, uh, but it's amazing how mankind uh, thinks that they can outthink God. So let's try to delve into this, okay? This isn't Even though it's such an enormous topic, it's a precious topic, and we're going to try to make this as practical and helpful here this morning as possible. So in the scope of his omniscience, he knows himself, and that's a big deal. He and he only knows himself. Mankind cannot understand what God alone knows. That's why, folks, your mind and my mind do not have the capacity to understand a God who always was and always will be, who, a God that has uh, all, everything comes from Him. And uh, this is, we can understand to some extent spiritually by the illumination of the Spirit through the Word of God, we can understand the scope of his omniscience, but we cannot understand in fullness who he is until we get to heaven. And frankly, I think it's going to take all of eternity for us to fully grasp what a great God that we have. He excels all of his creatures. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. And neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. In other words, no one on their own can know the Father or the Son except for the Trinity itself. And whatever God chooses to reveal through His Word about Himself. Aren't you thankful how much has been revealed about God? We are made in His image. And by having the Spirit of God indwell those that are believers, we have the capacity to begin to understand what He tells us about Himself. And and so... uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But to think we can know his thoughts and to impose our thinking on God is extremely foolish. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even though the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God? No man can understand the true aspect of who his God is except for God revealing himself. And 1 Corinthians 2 actually is wonderful on explaining how inspiration is the revealing of God's heart. By the way, in that very verse that we just quoted, what man knoweth the things of a man, nay the spirit of a man. In other words, you can't know yourself, no one knows you except yourself, and no one knows God except himself. John Wesley so aptly said, bring me a worm 
that can comprehend a man, then I will show you a man that can comprehend the triune God. And so as much as a worm can figure out all the intricacies of human beings, uh, as foolish as that would be, uh, impossible, same thing with our, our trying to figure out God. He knows all things existing. Uh, he understands the inanimate creation. Uh, back in Psalm 147, the verse prior to verse 5 says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Now, the more the telescopes are becoming uh, clear in the far reaches of the universe, we are finding out that the universe uh, doesn't, have, doesn't seem to have a back door. It just goes on and goes on and goes on. In fact, when you start seeing now the numbers of just galaxies, which have hundreds and thousands of stars like our sun in them, and then who knows all the planets, you can't even begin to fathom those numbers. They are so huge. And yet, the Bible says he can number every star. He created every one. He knows everything about uh, the inanimate creation that he created. And, um, and yet, this is the one that has given us his word and wants us to know much about it. An ill-prepared college student uh, came to take an exam just before Christmas vacation and wrote on the paper, only God knows the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't advise you doing that, young people. The professor graded the papers and wrote this note, God gets 100, you get zero. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> God does want us to know a lot, but we've got to understand He knows it all, every bit of it. I remember being at the Creation Museum maybe five, six years ago, and they have a wonderful presentation on the universe. Maybe many of you have seen that. It's worth seeing. And just as they opened up the vastness of the universe, and of course they're giving it from a biblical perspective, I was really brought to tears thinking of the great Creator that we serve. And how sad it is that we allow ourselves to get uh, uh, discouraged and to feel hopeless and to struggle when we serve such a great God. He knows everything about His creation. Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? In other words, they're worthless uh, to mankind, but one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. And knowing this. What a, um, a tremendous thing to think that he knows even the falling of a little sparrow. Nothing goes without his notice. He knows every man. He knows all their works. Psalm 33, 13. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. Notice that. All. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. We'll say it later, but friends, you can't hide from God. He knows you better than you know yourself right now. And that thought can change your life if you get a hold of it. And speaking of thoughts, Psalm 139, 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. 
Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. And there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. Well, throughout history, mankind has tried to hide from God or figure ways out for God not to really know what's going on. Uh, it's stated that uh, the Greeks worshipped their images uh, there uh, during the Greek period, as many other cultures have done. And whenever spiders would put webs across the eyelids of the image Jupiter, the crowds would begin to surge in to worship this idol. They figured that the spider's webs were preventing Jupiter from seeing their sins. And in their poor, th feeble thinking, they were grateful to the insects for covering the eyes of a god who they thought would punish them for their sins if he could see their ways. Well, friends, no spiders are going to stop God from knowing everything. Amen. And it really is uh, sad when you see man's attempt to try to bring God down and to be able to do, and that's why there is such a fight today for humanism and uh, for man to be in charge. Mankind does not like the reality that God knows and that God is righteous like we mentioned last week. He knows even our heart and our wants. Matthew 6, 8, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask them. Verse 32 of Matthew 6, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And you know, oftentimes God will let us remind ourselves uh, one saying that I think is so good, when you have nothing left but God, then for the first time you, be you become aware that God is enough. <laughs> And uh, God knows every need you have. To th trust yourself and your own way is so foolish. When God knows all the nuances of your life, He knows where every provision and every situation and every solution can come from. And He is able to put that together masterfully if you are fully trusting Him and by faith walking according to His power. Also, He has knowledge of the possible as well as the actual. And this is where that mystery of our will is involved. He knows what happens would happen if. He knows what happens if not. Uh, he knew that Kayla, that's uh, in southern Judah, would betray David to Saul if he remained in the vicinity. 1 Samuel 23, 11, the Lord talks, uh, or, uh, David talks to the Lord and asks him, Will the men of Kayla deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Caleb deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. So what did David do? He left. Did Saul come down? No, because David had left. God knew what would happen if David stayed in that place. And so it's wonderful to know that God knows all of the ifs and ands. Dr. Jameson Gray, he was president for a number of years of Moody Bible Institute. He was convalescing from a severe illness, and his doctor thought that uh, to take an ocean voyage would be a great relaxation for him. And so 
Uh, he had his um, journey all figured out. But just as he was about to take the journey, he had, some, he had an unexpected physical setback, which was very disappointing. And he wondered why his heavenly father would allow this new affliction to come. Well, about a week later, he was reading the newspaper, and on the very front page, it was a tragic account of a steamer that had sunk uh, after striking a reef in St. John's Harbor. There were no survivors. And then he realized that was the ship that he was scheduled to be on. God knew. And I'm telling you, believers throughout the ages have story after story of God's protection because he knows what is possible. Uh, Jesus knew that Tyre and Sidon would have repented had they had seen the miracles done in Bethsaida and Chorazin, and that Sodom and Gomorrah would have been spared had they seen the works that were done in Capernaum. Matthew eleven twenty one. 21, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been an entire inside, and they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. That would have happened. And uh, didn't happen, of course, because he wasn't there. Matthew eleven twenty three. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So you can see, when we talk about the all-knowing God, we're talking about Him knowing everything throughout all eternity and understanding the possibilities and what happens when man exercises his will. It's an amazing reality. And to think that we can walk with that God, we have that God in our heart, the Holy Spirit. We have the very revelation from His heart in the Word of God, and that He will guide us moment by moment. Folks, do you realize how foolish we are to go through a day without seeking the Lord? To, to live a day with our finite mind compared to walking with the infinite wisdom and knowledge of our God who will direct and guide gloriously, it's just not even close. And yet Christians live day after day and then wonder day after day without fellowshipping with the Lord like they should and wonder why they get into the dilemmas, the, they get in boxes that they can't get out until they cry out for help. It's because they have taken their infinite or their finite wisdom when they could have had God's omniscient wisdom. So uh, it's very important that we understand. God knows, by the way, the future. From man's standpoint, God's knowledge of the future is foreknowledge. But is it really foreknowledge to God? No. He lives in the ever-present now. Now again, don't try to wrap your mind around it or it will bust, okay? It'll be like a rubber band that pops. It won't work. Uh, God knows the beginning from the end all at once. He does not live according to time. He lives in a different dimension that we'll understand to some degree when we get to heaven. Um, but, uh, and so all things, uh, he knows all things by one simultaneous intuition. And so he foreknew future in general, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He knew the evil course Israel would take. 
Uh, and uh, he prophesied way back in the law, giving of the Pentateuch, uh, Deuteronomy 31.20, For when I have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify them as a witness, for it shall be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about, even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Before they ever got into the land, they're on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They're about to go in and have that great conquering. He does say there's going to be a time in which they turn away from me. Did they turn away from him? Now think of his long suffering for several hundred years. They went into captivity and they forgot and then of course God brought them back. What a wonderful Lord. Uh, it's wonderful when you read Isaiah chapters 44 and 45, four tells of Cyrus the Great that would take them, give them the right to go back into the land of an empire that wasn't even on the map at the time when Isaiah wrote that prophecy. And of course, all of the myriad of prophecies about uh, the coming of the Messiah. Uh, for instance, we'll read at Christmas time, Micah 5.2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. And it all came about. You look at the prophecies of Daniel chapter 9, and on and on you go. Uh, it is an absolute miracle that Jesus came at the exact right time, Every prophecy was literally fulfilled. And by the way, every prophecy about the second coming of Christ and the rapture will be fulfilled literally. And that's how you interpret Scripture, by the way, how the New Testament interprets the Old Testament on the first coming of Christ gives us exactly how we should interpret the second coming of Christ uh, based upon that. So he knew the future. That's no problem for him which was a great strengthening to the faith of those who put their faith in him. Um, it was prophesied that he would be crucified. Acts chapter 2, verse 23, there at Pentecost, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him. Now, one of the hard things for us in our limited little uh, peanutty brains uh, trying to figure out an infinite God is to figure out how God can know everything, uh, but we must not confuse His foreknowledge with the predetermining will of God. God has given man genuinely a free will made in His image. God means what He says. And so as you look at Scripture, you realize that God, everything is formed around the actual exercising of the faith of mankind. He allows us to have a free will and still knows how to work all to accomplish His will. Uh, Hodge, another comment, um, uh, theologian says that free acts may be absolutely certain as plain because they have in a multitude of cases been predicted. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how you have free acts, they occurred, people made the choice, and then it was how God would work it out. Many things could be said about that. But uh, what an uh, all-perfect God. And it really, a lot of this, those kind of questions are solved when you understand that God is not bound by time. He knows it all. 
So he is in an interactive relationship with us all the way along, all based upon his wisdom from eternity past to eternity future. And that means we can have a genuine dynamic relationship with him based upon faith, based according to his word. We're not playing a game. We have an actual relationship with the God of heaven and everything God says he means. And so that's very important for us to understand. All right, it's wonderful to think of God's omniscience. We could go on and on. I've just scratched the surface. But let's bring it down to that which um, affects us. Uh, Let's look at the matter of his wisdom that comes out of knowing all things. Because we as God's people must understand that a God that knows everything, that has all knowledge, obviously then has the wisdom needed for us to be able to live in a way that is uh, purposeful, productive, right, good, acceptable. Again, speaking of Thiessen, his uh, um, definition here of wisdom is the intelligence of God displayed in the choice of the highest ends and of the fittest means for accomplishment of those ends. In other words, God knows everything, but his wisdom is displayed in the choice of the highest ends, the best means to accomplish the highest order of what God wants for us. And, uh, and so God takes this knowledge. It's not just cold knowledge. God has love for us. He has mercy, long-suffering. His wisdom is taking all that he knows, and because of his love and his investment in us and what Christ did on the cross, he shapes our, his relationship with us and what occurs in our lives to give us the opportunity to come to know the Lord and then to live in a way that we're developed to be for His glory. In fact, His wisdom is that which promotes His glory. In other words, everything that shows forth who He is, all of these attributes, and we look at His personality. We've got many things over these months to look at. It all is that which uh, displays the greatness of His person, which we would say is His glory. He's glorious in holiness. He's glory, glorious in love. He's glorious in power. And uh, on and on. He is the light. And all of these things are that which makes God so wonderful and, uh, and that which causes our worship. And so wisdom is taking knowledge and showing forth His glory by so taking all of these aspects of what He knows to bring us to a place where we can show forth His glory. His glory is seen in creation, in preservation, in providence, in redemption. Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers, speaking of the angelic world and demonic world and heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now, folks, Stop here for a moment. We've just touched on the greatness of his knowledge. He knows everything. He lives in the every present now. He knows all the possibilities. He knows his people. He knows himself. He knows everything. But what we need to realize is the application of everything he knows is primarily to the church to show forth his glory in this age. 
Now, when you're just overwhelmed by the awe of the universe, when you're overwhelmed by the beauty of his creation, I was just in some gardens the other day and beautiful flowers, just a variety of them, and just was so relaxing looking at just the marvelous creativity and, uh, of our God. It's just, there's no way that evolved. That is from the, the beauty of the heart of a God that has all wisdom. You look at that, you just marvel in that. Now, I want you to understand, that great knowledge, that powerful knowledge that makes man look like uh, almost totally insignificant, all of that knowledge is brought to bear upon the church, and God in His power and love is endeavoring to bring the church into a place, and every individual within that church that has come to know Him as Savior, he is, His wisdom is the direction that which we should believe, the application of truth in such a way that the church shows forth His glory, the people within that church uh, show forth the greatness of their God. So you think of all the universe, it's poured right into here. Folks, that's pretty exciting. Are you awake? That's a pretty big deal. I mean, everything, I mean, it's big. God channels like a funnel coming down and whoa, all of God's mighty knowledge, His understanding, His love for us is channeled right into our lives. And the, the great uh, funnel is this book, the revelation of the very heart of God. Everything we need in the Spirit of God applies it and illumines it. And folks, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. We are not short on one thing. Almighty God has given it to us. That which promotes then the welfare of His people. Everything that He says promotes the happiness of his saints, perfects them in holiness. I've quoted, it seems like here recently, Colossians 1.28 for several different reasons, but whom we preach, speaking of, uh, of God, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Folks, let me just plead with you to think, going our own way, is that very smart? what we think is right. Oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I think. Folks, here we have a God who is willing to give you His mind and His heart for your life. An infinite, a finite person. The infinite, all-knowing God. Knowing what is fully best and knowing you better than you know yourself. He is endeavoring to get your attention to say, I've given you my precious word. I will apply it and I will guide you and lead you and your life will be all that I want it to be if you'll trust me and not go your own way. Why did Israel suffer? They went, they did that which was right in their own puny eyes. And every believer in this age that has the completed Word of God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's a tragedy. You have to go against the love of God and the drawing of the Holy Spirit to live your own life. My friends, if you, if you have any kind of emptiness, if your life is in conflict, I can tell you there has been a pushing away of trusting God that His way is the right way. I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust the omniscient God. 
I'm going to trust the God that knows everything and that knows me better than I can even begin to know myself. And he loves me. He died for me. He cared that much about me. He's right now focused on me. Oh, how foolish we are to go our own way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Romans, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 3. Folks, that's tremendous reality. So let's just make some final applications here. We need to live according to his wisdom. You see, if our heart is for his glory, then we're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to have the heart. If you really want to live for the glory of God, if you say, well, you know, the end of man is the glory of God. Well, the only way you can have the glory of God is to have God give you the wisdom and the empowerment and his presence. You can't do it yourself. So if we really believe that, then we're going to allow his wisdom to guide our lives. Ryrie says, every warning God gives comes from an omniscient being. So we should be extremely sensitive to them. He does not warn us on the basis of only guessing what might happen. He knows. Now, parents know from experience. And you know, kids, you've heard them say, don't do that because you will get something burned or whatever, right? And they're probably right, especially if you touch the stove. That's not a good thing because they probably did it too and paid the price. And that's bad. All right? But God knows. He knows exactly what would happen. Did you know you never get away with anything? Morality is still biblical, folks. You don't get around it. God's laws concerning relationships are still there. God's law is about priority and about his ownership of us and how we should live and how we should treat others and the attitudes that we should have. Aren't you thankful that he warns us? That's his love. It's, you know, it's so sad to me how many people look at God's warnings and just see, think that's constraining. Friends, it's liberating. God's telling you, I love you so much. Don't do that. Don't go that path. Trust me, I love you. I have, I have all knowledge. You're about to go off a cliff. Stop. As a parent, you can understand that. God's doing that all the time. The Holy Spirit is working in your hearts. Folks, we have, just, we have a world that doesn't want to listen to God. That's why the moral revolution is just shaking its fist in the face of God. But Christians are doing the same thing today. Don't tell me what to do. Well, friends, when God says what to do, you better listen. You better listen because it's love. He doesn't have to do that. God, who has everything, he doesn't need to do it, but he loves you. And folks, right now, if the Spirit of God is bringing something to mind, that's, that's the love of God. The Holy Spirit's saying, listen, I have this message right now for you in this area. You're saying no to God right now, and you're not going to win. And it's not because God's mean, it's just the way it is. God knows what is true. He knows what's evil. He knows what's good. He knows what the consequences are. And folks, 
God's omniscience and his wisdom should cause us to be very secure because he knows everything. Nothing surprises him. And first of all, with your salvation, you're secure. It's all paid for. Tozer again says, no talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out in some hidden closet to abash and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. Ha, when he saved you, he knew it all. Isn't that wonderful? Now you're saved by faith through his finished work, not your works. We need to rest in his wisdom and know that he'll take care of us. All things do work together for good, Romans 8, 28. And that's really a, not a nice little platitude. God knows how to arrange it all. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And so we need to remember that God, the omniscient God, knows us is ready to give us everything that we need. And that every moment we walk, we're open before him. We can't hide, we can't run, and we don't need to because he's our heavenly father. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You've heard the story of Lafayette, who helped the American cause. And he was put in prison, a gloomy prison, for a little while. And in the door of his little cell was a very small hole cut. At that hole, a soldier was placed day and night to watch him. All he could see was the soldier's eye. But that eye was always there, day and night. Every moment when he looked up, he always saw the eye. Oh, he said it was dreadful. There was no escape, no hiding. When he lay down, when he rose up, that eye was watching him. There's an eye that knows everything. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, my friend, he knows everything and you will stand before him. It's dreadful. All your works will be laid out, not one missed, and he will be totally just in eternal damnation. But for the believer, I'm glad he's looking. <laughs> he knows everything. For a believer that's right with God, there is no greater joy and security to know that God knows my heart, everything about me. He's able to lead me, guide me. He's going to protect me. I'm in relationship with him. Hallelujah. He knows me. A carnal believer is a little bit like the unsaved person. God's watching me. I'm trying to run. If the idea of God's omniscience bothers you, my friend, I promise you there's something you need to get right with him this morning. Because there ought to be no fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. We ought to realize we've got a God that loves us, is all wise, puts everything together, will give us his wisdom. All the knowledge he has will be poured into your life, into this church and all the churches that love him. God is ready to work. But the moment we get out of his will... We're going against the one that knows everything, and we won't win. Christians should know that. Oh, may God help us embrace 
the omnipotent God. Let's bow for prayer.